Welcome, everybody, to the Cardboard Crash Course Podcast. My name's Ethan Gump. This is episode one, The Games That Grew Us. I'm here with a very special guest today, Mr. Jasper, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yes, uh, thank you, Ethan, for having me. I'm honored to be your first interviewee on this new podcast. It's very exciting. Um, I'm Jasper Blake. Um, I've been gaming for probably at least 55 years now. So, um, yeah, and I got involved with Cardboard Crash Course uh, all because of Twilight Imperium. I, uh, I was hunting for some strategy guides and found Ethan's videos, and uh, that's how I sort of got involved. And uh, I'm now uh, one of his patrons. Very nice. Yeah, and I'm very uh, appreciative of that. I'm very involved with the the patrons there. But as far as your interest in Twilight Imperium goes, we had a little bit of chat before the show started about how many people you've managed to get into your Twilight Imperium group. That's kind of unheard of for most of us. How many did you did you say it was two separate groups? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, um, I, I I actually live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, so it's not a huge town. So, um, uh, but I I managed to fall in. I, I started off with my business partner, her daughter and husband, um, and the daughter's boyfriend, and we sort of uh, had some games together. And then I um, met up with another TI player who had his own group, and he invited me to play along with his people. Uh, that was a six-player game. I actually won that game. <laughs> and, um, and then uh, I bumped into some other players, um, and they had their own group as well. And uh, so I've got these two separate groups that I, I sort of uh, get to play with on different occasions. So I'm, I'm actually spoiled in terms of the number of TI players that I have at my disposal. So. Yeah. Uh, one, one guy, it was really funny. We, we, we often play in the back room of this uh, little local cafe. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I was carrying the boxes into the cafe. And uh, just as I was coming in, there were three guys coming out. And one of the guys, his jaw dropped and he like points and goes, Twilight Imperium. <laughs> you know, so uh, so I, I got him to give me a card. And then uh, so now he's one of those sort of main sort of players. So it's just funny how you uh, meet up with these uh, TI players all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. My main uh, gaming group for Twilight Imperium happens to be friends that I've had for quite a long time uh, around the area here in Illinois. I have in recent times been, you know, chatting at people at the bar or wherever I'm at. And if board gaming comes up, of course, Twilight Imperium is mentioned. It's the king of gaming to me. But it's so funny how many people have heard of it at this point. I really think that some of the podcasts and some of the YouTube channels and maybe even the presence of the board games in places such as Target, sending people online, figuring out that this is more than just a small little hobby they used to do as kids, is really bringing people into the light of these massive, complex games. And the multiple gaming groups you have is not really like that unheard of as it used to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, And I think, I mean, obviously with Twilight Imperium, that itself has been around 25 years in different incarnations. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have sort of grown up with different iterations of that game. Um, but right. yeah, I think, uh, you know, Space Cats, Peace Turtles um, yep. has done a huge uh, amount for, in terms of the hobby for that particular game. Well, it's only right for episode one of the CCC podcast to start off with Twilight Imperium. It's what interested me in making a YouTube channel to begin with. I had this idea in mind when the Prophecy of Kings expansion came out that I wanted to teach people sort of the basics of of the game so that I could upload it once and not have to explain it a hundred times to all of my friends. That expanded into a whole lot more than just uh, convenience, but it really still is that crux of the YouTube channel and my love for board gaming. You can see it in every video and everything. Um, So episode one here is actually the games that grew us. So alongside these massive games, I also wanted to discuss a little bit about the games that got us here. Do you remember what your first 
game was as a kid or some game that you use to bring the younger audience into the gaming hobby? Yeah, I mean, my first memories is my mother teaching me to play chess. Uh, Probably that's the same for a lot of people. Um, I mean, later we had the the standards like um, Monopoly, I think was one of the first ones, and obviously Cluedo or Clue as it's called over here. uh, so they and they were great fun. We, you know, I really enjoyed playing those. Um, but I'd always be. I, I had a, an interest in military history at a very early age, and I actually my gaming got into more serious historical war gaming, you know, and then eventually into miniatures war gaming. Um, so that's really how I started, and that developed. I think my first proper what you call adult board game, again, very much in this military history vein, was a game from by Avalon Hill called Stalingrad. Uh, okay. Bought out in um, 1983, I think it was. But So that was, a, that was a typical sort of board war game where you had square um, cardboard pieces representing divisions of tanks and infantry on a large-scale map. Right, um, sort of uh, taking that risk idea that they always wanted to inject into games like Risk and really expanding into something that you could feel like you were there. That's right, yeah, yeah. And and I, I got into other ones in that sort of same genre, except, pro, you know, a, a more sophisticated sort of Korean War was one, Pacific War was another. Um, so they were in the mix of, but in between this sort of, miniatures wargaming you know type hobby um and as i got uh more involved with other players i mean certainly family game wise it went on again the 1980s were a real sort of increase in sort of gaming and the different types of games there were a couple of stalwart games that we used to play like my brother uh and a few friends. One was uh, Lost Valley of the Dinosaurs by Waddington's, and that was that's still one of my all-time favorite games. It's just so good. And it was so innovative at the time because it had the whole mechanic of having a set of cards that you use to move the non-player characters, which was very unusual at that time. And there were other ones, Milton Bradley's Curse of the Idol we used to play a lot. Uh, Parker Brothers Escape from Atlantis, which has just come out again um, in a sort of modernized version, which was really interesting. Um, I remember at school, a lot of a lot of sort of board gamers start with Diplomacy, which is a great game. Um, and it's, it's funny because it sort of led me into the sort of things like Twilight Imperium. And I remember at school, we, we had, I think it's like seven players you can play up to. So we had all seven players and each, we, we get together once a week on a lunchtime with the board and do our moves. And then in between times for the rest of the week was all the diplomacy bit so that you could talk to each other. You know, if you bumped into somebody at the locker or something like that, you could do your diplomacy, try and work out what they were doing and who was aligned with who and all that kind of thing. Right. And um, I, I remember one of the uh, guys who was playing, I, I was playing Russia, my brother was playing France, and we were allied because we had no common borders, so it was easy. And um, the guy who played Britain let it sort of slip that he and Germany were planning to do the dirty on us. So, so my brother <laughs> and I sort of worked out, okay, so if they were going to attack us this next term, what would they do? And then we worked out our moves accordingly um, right and you had and we, all that time yes exactly yeah and uh, and we absolutely slaughtered them it was great so uh, but it, it's funny because the the way that worked in terms of that week's worth of interacting with the players in a you know negotiation style it was that memory of that game that we played at school that when I was looking for that big epic sort of space game, that was one of the features that I was looking for. I wanted it to have that kind of element to it, and uh, you know, which has led me in the end to Twilight Imperium, and it sort of uh, fulfilled that that 
particular need, you know, to have that in, you know, yeah. a lot of interaction with the other players. And that's, that's really what I loved about um, all gaming. It's, it's that social interaction with the other players, which I think, you know, especially today where kids sort of are into computer games and things, you just don't get the same element of that social interaction with computer games. Yeah, absolutely. I found quite a bit of enjoyment in computer games, video games in the past, but I always come back to board games for the tactical component, the fact that you actually get to hold everything that you're playing with in your hands. Yeah, it's tactile, yeah. Yes, yeah, very tactile. And the face-to-face component, many games that are played by the younger generations, my generation now, are completely online. And I grew up in a house that the only time I got to play video games was sitting next to my brother. And I always had this feeling that games were better in person. And that's, of course, not the case and and not always possible when you have people that living, you know, across the country, across the world. But if possible, the board games rather really do give that tactile face-to-face gameplay that I'm always looking for. And the 4X genre in Twilight Imperium is completely based around that. Multiple hours ahead, you can you can plan mm-hmm. uh, against your opponents and with your teammates. I think that's one of the reasons really why I don't do a whole lot of solo gaming, because to me, it is that social interaction that is a huge okay, yeah. component of board gaming for me. You know, I love. I was saying um, before the start of the show, we're just coming up this weekend. We're having the first time I've ever played an eight-player Twilight Imperium. Very exciting! But that idea (laughs) of being around a table with eight other people for sort of like ten hours, you know, just and you you get so deeply involved in the game and and each other in terms that and and you there's there's nothing else that gives you that feeling and you come out of it like totally wired whether you win or lose you know and that's what i really love about uh you know a really good board game like that yeah we have played in my game group a a, uh, eight player game before and actually that uh game had four new players in it which was complete chaos i think it lasted (laughs) oh over 14 hours with breaks and the such um, but sitting across the table with seven other people and all the different mechanics playing together. But Twilight Appearing really does a good job at allowing you your time to shine because there really t- aren't too many instant mechanics or mechanics that you can, you know, make somebody feel bad on their own turn. And I think that is one of the reasons why I enjoy that game so much over other social games such as maybe Magic the Gathering, um, because yeah. you're you're unable to completely ruin somebody's plans when it's their time to shine uh, every, in Twilight Imperium's case, 30 minutes or so. Yeah, I, it, it's funny because I, I played a lot of Magic the Gathering, you know, in my sort of 20s, I guess. I, cause yeah, it's it, not to harp on it. It is, it is a fantastic game, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, and you get different different things from different games. I mean, like, you get a lot of maybe social interaction from a party game, but that's not the same thing somehow. You know what I mean? Um, And I think that's one of the reasons Twilight Imperium is a classic case, because the thing that I really loved about that game, um, right from the first time, and, and thank you, YouTube, because YouTube's such a great way of checking a game out to see if it's going to fit what you like in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's how I, that's what I did when I was first looking for that epic space game. And, but the thing I love about it is that all your game is concentrated on that board and it's the interaction with the players. You're not having to sort of think about the mechanics so much because the mechanics are fairly straightforward. You know, you have your cards, you know how to play them. You have your pieces, you know how to play them. There's no, yeah. you don't have to sort of go outside the game to think about the mechanics. And that's one of the things that I that just has sort of put me off from playing a lot of heavy Euro games because there's so much emphasis on the mechanics that it takes it away from the board. 
Um, whereas, you know, something like Twilight Imperium, all your concentration is always on the board um, and nothing interferes with that, you know. And that's, yeah. again, a really important point for games for me um, is that you don't want the, you don't want the f- being part of the story to be interrupted by the mechanics. Right. Well, I not to go off on a crazy tangent here, but I have heard of a game called The Search for Planet X. Have you have you ever heard I of it? I have heard yes, I think I've probably seen or seen a bit of a video about it. Yeah. Okay. I've always been incredibly interested to try it, but I just can't get my finger to press the purchase button because of the fact that you're constantly being pulled away from the table. um, For those of you who don't know what the Search for Planet X is, it's an exploration game. Um, I believe it can be either cooperative or competitive, Um, but you're essentially searching for a planet in a space system similar in uh, art style to Twilight Imperium, but it's in our solar system and you are constantly looking at your phone because all of these cards have QR codes on them. Right. And you're having to scan the QR codes, and that's giving you clues on what cards to flip next and all of this. And it's an incredibly interesting game because it can constantly be updated on their website uh, with more missions and everything from these QR codes. But the fact that you're constantly being pulled away from the board and you have to read all the stuff that was never in the game box to begin with... Um, sort of pulls me away from the game but that's that's such a side tangent i i've been wanting to talk about that game for a while yeah well it was interesting you say that because i only um a couple of days ago i was watching a playthrough of uh iss vanguard because yes yeah it, it it's one of those games you really want to like but i both I've, I've had a look at a couple of different people doing playthroughs of it and both times i just could not watch the whole video all the way through it was just too laborious um it's too focused on the mechanics and it's you know it seems so slow again like exactly like you were saying it it, it's app based uh, so you're going back to the app for the for a lot of the story elements um and there's a lot of sort of housekeeping involved in that <laughs> game and it takes it away from the story. You just think, oh, for God's sake, just get on with the story. You know, I just right. want to, I want to, but it takes so long to do everything. And uh, so, again, I do tend to shy away from games that have apps purely for that, for that reason. You know, I want to be involved with not only with the, with the game in front of me on the table, but with the people. I don't want to be pulled away from that. Uh, so, you know, a big part of, of, any games that I, I really like. Um, and, it's, it's, and it's really funny because Fantasy Flight seemed to have my number when it comes to how to put a game together. Every time well, I do yep. research, uh, like a new, I, the other day, I, or oh, well, the other day, a few, few months ago now, um, I, was, I was thinking, I, I was interested in the idea of a cyberpunk game. And I did some research and looked at a whole bunch of videos and eventually came across New Angeles and watched a how to play and then a playthrough. And I go, that's it, (laughs) you know? And then I found out it was another fantasy flight game. And I've done that with Arkham Horror as well. And it's sort of like, so uh, I think um, I am their target audience for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, episode two of the podcast is actually going to be related completely around another fantasy flight game, Marvel Champions. that's yeah, so very I've, similar to I've Arkham never Horn. got into the I, I, th- I think I've been put off by the too many Marvel movies and it's, okay. uh, it's it's put me off the theme of that completely so right I understand that it's hard to purchase a Star Wars game nowadays um, a Disney game without truly you know falling in love with the mechanics and I do have a couple of of all of the above right um but if a property comes out with a game, I've got to really look into the mechanics. And Fantasy Flight does, in my uh, experience, have a pretty good track record at adapting it. But the you know, no company is perfect. Yeah, and and you know, theme is a very personal thing. You know, um, not everybody likes everything. Like, I mean, I right. I could not do like Wingspan or any of those. It just it it just wouldn't hold my interest. You know, I'm not drawn to that kind of game 
Um, and that, but I mean, that that's why there's such a wide variety of games. I mean, Absolutely. different people like different things, you know, and you're mm-hmm. drawn to what you're drawn to. Well, we both know that somebody who's listening this, their favorite game is the Search for Planet X. And I think we just <laughs> dumped on it for the last <laughs> 10 minutes or so. Yeah, but, well, yeah, that's why yeah. there's games for everybody. There's um, that's right. There's a completely different group of games that you can grow up on. Um, I think you mentioned a couple that will overlap with everybody's uh, childhood, which are you know Clue and Monopoly and the such. And they really, I don't think, do a perfect job of of getting people into board gaming, but it sort of sends you on different paths, figuring out what you like, and then you can see a deeper game or a different game uh, the farther you go down into the hobby. Yeah, I think anything that, that gets you just doing board games in the first place is is great. It doesn't matter what it is. I, I really used to enjoy playing Cluedo. Uh, you know, it's, it's a mm-hmm. great little game in its own way. I mean, it has a lot of uh, faults, obviously, but I mean, again, it's it's not necessarily even about the game. It's about the feeling you get with interacting with other people, yeah. you know, uh, as part of this sort of gaming experience, you know. And, and yeah, I mean, a lot of people will never progress on from that. And if, but if people like it, you know, the variety available now is just amazing, you know. So it it absolutely is. And what's interesting to me, and I I'm still trying to purchase as much as I can from my local game stores. But what's interesting is that right along the toy section in um, Target here in the U.S., you're actually able to find a good selection of really deep, engaging board games alongside the the shelves of major companies now. So I think it's really started to get picked up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I mean, the interesting thing from my point of view, because like, like I said, I had this hiatus in my sort of very early years all the way through to probably my early 30s you know i i played these games with mainly on a you know with serious war gamers we we did we also did things like you know a lot of the warhammer stuff that came in space hulk uh warhammer fantasy role play stuff like that right now on my shelf (laughs) yes yes it's great game great game i love space hulk and um, so, so we always had a mix. Uh, There's another game, uh, I think it was Avalon Hill, I can't remember, but, but called Blackbeard, which was like a, a really good pirate game. So we had a, quite a, a variety of, of gaming styles um, that we liked to, you know, to play. And, mm-hmm. and really having those guys around all the time, because uh, I guess my son was born around, I can't remember how old I was, about 28, I think I was. So he grew up with this group of, of serious gamers, and he sort of got into it. And we used to play things like um, Warlock of Firetop Mountain, you know, one of Steve Jackson's games. I don't know okay. whether, you've, uh, whether you know that one. Uh, it, it, is like a, it was like a board game version of a, like a dungeon crawler, but sort of simplified. Okay. Uh, great, great fun game. Um, and even us serious war gamers, you know, re, you know, would, would get into right. things like this. And um, so, and it was funny. So, really, the hiatus came when I uh, moved over to America from Britain. And uh, so, I got involved in other things. Um, I got back into music, for instance. I could, throughout my twenties, I used to, uh, to play music professionally, and I got back into music uh, just for fun. And it was really. I got I was got back into board games by my son, um, who let me know that he'd got this game that he'd just designed, um, and it all came. It, he had a friend who had who made this card game, and they were going to put it out on Kickstarter together. And then the friend, mm-hmm. the friend, sort of was got too busy with work and stuff, so he he ended up putting this card game out called Pugs in Mugs, uh, which yes. is a very simple trick taking game. Um, but again, have some, you know, you can, you can really do the dirty on the other players as part of it for just a really mm-hmm. fun, fun little game. Um, yeah. and then he, uh, came up with this new game he just designed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Earth rising. Okay. So I, I knew about pugs and mugs and right. I knew all yeah. about the Kickstarter of earth rising, but I could not remember the name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was the interesting thing about it was that, um, 
it was based on an economic model created by this uh, English Oxford University professor uh, okay. called Donut Economics. Um, and it was all about how to keep the earth sustainable, given the amount of human activity, you know, because at the moment we're all putting a lot of strain on the planet by, you know, uh, over taxing the resources and everything yeah. else. So this game, this whole donut economics model was uh, okay. is based on sort of trying to uh, manage the needs of the human population, but without destroying the planet in doing it. And um, he saw this on a film, Australian documentary called 2040, which was all about, based on the idea that we could actually make a sustainable planet or sustainable way of living on the planet within 20 years, just using practices that, that were already being done out there. Um, and he, so he created this game on it. So I spent a lot of time with him doing playtesting on uh, Tabletop Simulator and stuff. Um, okay, so and, you can uh, find it on Tabletop Simulator. That was Yes, yes. Okay. And uh, ScreenTop as well. Uh, ScreenTop is another online uh, Okay, ScreenTop. Yeah, you, you're, um, may I say that you are taking all of my questions right out of my mouth. I wanted to know <laughs> all about this Earth Rising game. I... You know the pugs and mugs. Um, I was actually going to purchase myself a copy uh, after oh, this. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you'd love it, honestly. Yeah, uh, even serious, <laughs> like like serious Twilight Imperium players would would get off on this game because it's it, in a really fun way. You can really do the dirty on the other players, you know, yeah. by stealing their mugs and. <laughs> but but yeah, so this is really a cooperative game, completely cooperative. You're playing okay. against the game, uh, and it's sort of anything from one to six players. But, I mean, he just did an absolutely stunning job on it. Um, and uh, he has a friend who does the graphic art with him. And it's actually, he, he successfully launched it on Kickstarter. And it's actually now been manufactured. It's just going to the warehouses and will be distributed probably somewhere in February, early March, something like that. So it's very exciting. Yeah, but, uh, that's it was, super it was part of that, that playing again with him that got me back into the whole idea of board games. Uh, and the first game, the first modern game, I thought, I, yeah, I, I, wanted, I want to do some more of this. And first thing I found was Zombicide. <laughs> and I absolutely loved Zombicide. Uh, and it was really good. And then from there, I was thinking, oh, okay, so I'd love a really epic space game. Um, and that's what got me, eventually led me to Twilight Imperium. And I sort of hadn't looked back since. <laughs> So. Yeah, I I can't remember what grew me towards Twilight Imperium. I mean, I, from the youngest age, was incredibly interested in board gaming. I was just at um, my parents' house for the holidays, and they brought up some of my baby videos, which was lovely to see. But you can actually see me while my brother is riding around on his new four-wheeler. Uh, <laughs> you can see me in the background opening up um Candyland and uh and the such just sort of playing at the table feeling the components um mm -hmm. and I had my own design for a game from man the youngest age it's still in my closet um all about the human mind but it's inspiring when you play a game and you realize that you could be part of it not just yeah. um bringing it out on the table and showing all of your friends and everything, but maybe one day growing into a board game designer yourself. Um, so Jasper's son uh, is at Stop, Drop, and Roll Games. Of course, you can find all the links and everything in the show notes on CardboardCrashCourse.com, so that can bring you to every link we talk about and the such. And that's CardboardCrashCourse.com. But yeah, it's, uh, it's inspiring to see that gamers can really grow into someone who can make a, a product out of it and live off of you know that return. Yeah, no, and that's the, I think the exciting thing about things like Kickstarter is that it does give the yeah. opportunity to a lot of people to have a go. And, and it's not easy. There's a lot, you know, obviously, once you open up, um, you know, the, the industry to individuals like that, of course, you've got a huge number of people all wanting to do it. And not mm -hmm. everybody can succeed. It is, it's not an easy thing to do. But um 
But it's but I think it's great that it's inspired so many people to to want to, um, yeah. you know, create games. I, I, I think again, it's a it, to me, there's it almost a bit of a reaction to the internet age in a way. The online age is that people are getting back to wanting to be freelancer you know, social. Well, well, not only mm-hmm. in terms of creating games, but but just in terms of ha- having the market for games because m- more and more people right. want yeah. to. They, they want to sit down, you know, with a coffee and have a great time with a group of friends, you know, live. You know, it's not just, um, you know, online or, I mean, even playing a game online, that's fine. You're still playing. It's the in- social interaction of playing together. Uh, and that's really great to see that that has grown so much over the last few years, you know, COVID notwithstanding, you know. Yeah, I can't imagine how difficult it must have been because when looking at the Kickstarter, I noticed that there's um, a couple of really, really successful, inspiring updates from just even this month and uh, and December. But I can only imagine how difficult it was sort of getting that all under control throughout 2020, 2021. Um, yeah, last year, the beginning of last year was even pretty difficult. Um, and yeah, that's not I think to downplay the... how it is now. It's it's still pretty rough, but it is slowly getting better. Yeah, I mean, the, the big problem is the the transportation because uh, right. obviously a lot of a lot of those Kickstarters, especially in, in order to make the games affordable, you know, a lot of games are made in China. It's really cheap to make it in China and cheap to ship it over, but the shipping costs have just exploded um, in terms of the cost of it, uh, and that's made it really difficult to keep the games affordable. You know, because nobody wants to. You know, they're, they're quite they're quite willing to. You know, maybe uh, buy a fifty dollar or a hundred dollar game, but what they don't want is another forty or fifty bucks in postage to get it. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, um, whereas they can just go down to the game store, no postage, and buy something straight off the shelf. You know, and um, so I think it, that's that's put a lot of pressure on, especially small indie companies like his you know, trying to make it work. And, and I know for a fact that, you know, he's, he's moving, a, or only temporarily, um, but he's moving away from the big box board game and moving towards more role play stuff, which is okay. uh, much, much cheaper and easier to produce, at least in the short term until, you know, until there's some settling down of, uh, you know, the transport costs and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, right. Because it just makes it prohibitive in terms of uh, you know people buying it. It does. Um, the RPG content is something that I've been interested in for a long time, but I'm really more of a talking guy and less of a writing guy. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I no, I I totally agree. Yeah, I I I, I enjoyed my, you know I did a, a lot of like I said before uh, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay back in my 20s and things um, and enjoyed it. But yeah, there's nothing quite like having a physical board with pieces you're moving around. It, it, it's a, a, a different feel to it altogether, but I love it. Yeah. In order to to get to the, the area that he was, we of course talked about how much um, you were part of that. You were sort of growing yeah. up in the board game space. How do you think it is nowadays talking 2023 Wow, it's 2023. Talking, yeah. yeah, 2023, um, sort of kids around his age. Um, how do you think that, that growing up in the board game space is for them now? I mean, obviously, you've got a, um, you've got a lot more choice. Uh, there, there's such a wide variety of different styles of gaming. Um, right, with the internet. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, not only, yeah, but I mean, things like Euro games. I mean, mm-hmm. Euro games didn't exist when I was doing gaming in my in my sort of teens and 20s. Um, so in terms of what you can do with games now has just expanded. So there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more inspiration to, to build from, you know, new mechanics, new styles of play, you know, which you didn't have back in the 80s. Right. Yeah. It's sort of that age old idea of there's never really and I, I hate to to say this, but there's never really any new stories um, because everything is just sort of a combination of what you've seen before. 
you can say the same thing about films as well. There's, yes, you know, yeah, ultimately, mm-hmm. there's just you're telling the same story just in a different way. But absolutely, but that's fine. You know, uh, and, and and still, you think it's all been done, and then then you know somebody comes out with Star Wars or something or Avatar right. or you know what I mean. And uh, there's there are always new ways to tell the story. Yeah, or uh, or Twilight Imperium first edition. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, um, I wanted to ask you: Were you around uh, Twilight Imperium when third edition was out? I don't think I. I don't think you specified third or fourth. Yeah, no. I, w- w- I again, it's probably only a couple of years since I've had Twilight Imperium. Okay. So it was four. It's when fourth edition came out. I think. I think POK had just been released when I first even heard the name oh, Twilight wow. You're so, newer yeah, than so, I am. Yeah, 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 definitely. Very, very new, really. Um, <laughs> and, you know, again, my process of discovery now is YouTube. And so I was looking, I, I knew I wanted, I love space themed games. I wanted a space, I wanted something epic, something like on the scale of like a Star Trek or Star Wars, but not with that IP, you know, right. uh, just something. And um, so I, I, it, it, you do your little YouTube search, you know, t- top 10 space game board games or something, you know what I mean? And then you look through yeah. them all and you go, nah, nah. Ooh, that You've looks You've always got things like <laughs> Eclipse and yeah. That's right. Yeah, right. yeah. And I, I looked at them all. I looked at all those. And um, I, I stumbled across a, uh, a video by, uh, you know, the board online, board offline, um, Okay. Is one of one a gaming channel, and he was doing a playthrough, a three player playthrough, where he was actually doing all the different different players of uh, Twilight Imperium, and I watched that, and I go, you know, and it's it's that instant thing. You go, that's it, yeah, <laughs> that's the game, and and that was what it took. It took took uh, quite a bit of um, persuading uh, to get POK. But I'm really glad I did. I added that on uh, to sort of probably a year later. Um, right. But now I've got everything. You know, in any codex that comes out, I'm I'm straight there. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm on it. I'm on it the day it's released. Do you have you told your son about your addiction to Twilight Imperium? Oh yes, he knows. He knows very well. <laughs> okay. The, the really interesting played? thing. Well, it's funny. Uh, he he's a bit sort of ADD, and it's too slow for him. Uh, he he can't oh, okay. contemplate a ten-hour playing a t- the same game for ten hours. He's a like one-hour yeah, game, one, one one to two-hour game maximum. <laughs> um, people and, who play four um, X games for ten hours are <laughs> a special breed of people. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, he he's really happy for me that I've I've found this, um, but. Yeah, no, he 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 has tried it. He gave it a try. We we did it on tabletop simulator, okay. but yeah, no, he it's not something he's ever going to uh, sort of participate in. <laughs> but uh, do you think you can uh, meet in the middle with a game like um, oh, uh, there's that new Dune game? Um, it's, it's kind of a Euro, um, but it's got some um, political elements. But it's definitely about cut in half. From Twilight Imperium, do you think you can meet in the middle with something like uh, that? Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not. It's, it's funny because I, I, this friend, the wargaming friend of mine, you know, throughout my twenties, was well mm-hmm. into Dune, and he had the original uh, Dune board game, and I know I remember playing that. I'm, I'm not. I don't know whether he's really into Dune or has sort of been part of the Dune universe. Um, right. It goes back reading. all the way to the. To the IPs we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, and and if you if you haven't read the book or you ha- you know you're not part of it. I mean, even I'm not that. I've seen like both films, but that's about it. I haven't read the book. I'm not sort of as into that IP as like my friend was, for instance. Uh, and you know, some things just pass you by. You know. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, I, you know. Absolutely. I'm not. My basement is not a game store. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I wish that it had as many shelving units as that, I got to keep it under control to yeah, a, yeah. a certain bit. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to curb my Kickstarter habit as well. I and I've <laughs> invested in like two games which are right. due out coming out in the summer. One okay. is um, uh, called Coalitions, which is essentially a, a Napoleonic um, strategy game. It's all all about that uh, Napoleon period, which of course I war gamed. I love the Napoleonic period. And uh, this, the coalitions again. It's, a, it's negotiation, so it's a very high level. Um, it's you know countries banding together to defeat Napoleon and all that kind of jazz. It, except you've all got your own agenda, so you know you, the coalitions change over time. So that's a really interesting concept for okay. for me. And the other one was uh, a game called Through Ice and Snow, which was essentially uh, about the. 19th century voyage to try to discover the Northwest Passage. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Dan Simmons, who wrote the, the Terror books. They made a, a TV series out of it, um, okay. which was all about what the, 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 it was an actual, it's based on the historical trip where these two, the Terror and the sister ship, basically disappeared uh, and they were discovered maybe a year and a half ago, something like that, they found, found the sunken ship, the Terror, um, in, you know, in the ice waters of, you know, north of Canada. Uh, but it's a fascinating, again, it's one of those games which I don't normally like. It's, a, it's like a, a bit of worker placement and a bit of, like, cube stuff, which I hate cube stuff. Terraforming <laughs> um, <laughs> Mars isn't your but, thing. But again, the, it's all the story. You're so drawn into the story of, you know, these ships, because it, it's competitive, but you, you're playing against the game as well. You have to work together to a certain point, otherwise you all lose. Um, yes. But it draws you into the story of this expedition, trying to discover a way through the ice. You know, you're dynamiting the ice to get your ship through burning fuel all the time, you know, um, using the knowledge of the local Inuit tribes to help you find food. And it's, it's, it just draws you into the whole story. Uh, and I couldn't resist it. So, so that's <laughs> my, my, in, my Kickstarter indulgence. I've had a couple of those, definitely. Do you think, um, do you think that either of those or Twilight Imperium or any of the others uh, that you've got with you um, that you would suggest as sort of gateway games um, for those for those younger players or for those older yeah. players just not getting into it? It's, it, it's funny. Um, my son, for uh, a birthday present, bought me a game called Rise of Tribes, and I always describe Rise of Tribes as a like a pocket Twilight Imperium. There's a okay. there's a lot of the same elements. It's uh, like a victory point track. You've got different tribes with different abilities. It's area control. There's events. You've got a lot of the same elements, but it's a game that you can play in, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. It's like a um, four, four-player game, mm-hmm. uh, but has a lot of those elements, and that's a great little game. Uh, the components are, are gorgeous. It's very well produced. And um, so if you're into those like strategy or you want to try out those strategy games, that's a great one to get that sort of Twilight Imperium effect without the 12 hours of game. Yeah, without the just crazy commitment. I've talked to members of my family before, namely my brother, about sort of joining my friend group in playing these massive 4X games. And I am completely unable to sell them on the idea that you're going to be sitting in one spot for the entire day. So that Rise of Tribes sounds like a, a great way to sort of get people into the idea. Uh, yes. They're much more likely to play something that's, you know, shorter than that crazy game of Monopoly they played as a kid uh, rather than longer. Um, yeah. Which actually was kind of a, a point I wanted to make. Do you think that... Um, the games that are sort of presented as the gateway games instead of these, you know, specific ones that we have chosen off our shelves. Um, do you think they've sort of put a rough idea of what board gaming is in somebody's mind? Um, because I know that a lot of people hold contention for games like Monopoly for having to sit around um, a boring table for, for the whole day. Or do you think that, that it's perfectly fine? I think, see, again, I think it all goes back to what 
inspires you in terms of the theme? You know, um, are you, you know, do you like space games? Do you like space stories? Because that's going to attract you to a gateway game that's based on the space theme. You know, is it Lord of the Rings? Is it um, like something like Pandemic or something, which is a great gateway game in a lot of ways, you know, cooperative again. It's sort of, the thing is, you've got endless choice. There are a million gateway games, and it's really just down to what excites you personally. And that, you know, that goes back to, all the influences, it's the books you've read, it's the, you know, other other things that you've done, games played, that kind of thing that draws you, like you would like we were talking about the Marvel thing. Mm-hmm. You know? And it could be as something as simple as, oh, I love Marvel stuff. Hey, there's a game all about Marvel. You know, any anything's a gateway game if you're drawn to give it a try. That's a incredibly optimistic way of looking at it. I'm so glad <laughs> well, that you're I, around. <laughs> I think, I think the, you know, people graduate to, um, you know, the, the bigger, like the big Forex games. Mm-hmm. The, 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 if, if so, if they get really into gaming, then they'll graduate to something that, that stretches, you know, their gameplay more and more. So they'll look for that. Um, but that's not how most people start. You know, most right. people start, on a fairly simple basis. And it's funny, I, uh, I, this Christmas, my business partner bought me, but completely by surprise, uh, Castle Panic, which is a very simple little gateway game. Yeah. Um, and um, I actually bought the uh, Crowns and Quests expansion just to beef it up a little bit. But it's a great little gateway game. It doesn't take any time. It takes maybe an hour. You've got like up to six players. Really, you can get it going very quickly because the rules are so simple. And it's that whole defending the castle against the horde of monsters idea, you know. And right. it's the sort of thing that would inspire people on later on, maybe to something like Gloomhaven, you know, eventually, you know what I mean? So depending yeah. on, on, on what they like. But it's, it's, I think it's people are drawn to particular genres of story and that's the important thing i have to attribute some of my love for for the the space type theme the sci-fi uh experience to my father's love for star wars um it's uh star wars has always been sort of there um i can't remember a time where it wasn't i think one of my first movies that i saw as a kid was uh revenge of the sith for so, me so for me it was star trek that first the the early star trek series and doctor who of course uh, that was the other big sci-fi thing so, um, so you've got to like the nomad yes i, I won <laughs> my my one win on twilight imperium with that um you know the uh, the, the the first team of uh, twilight imperium i won with the nomad <laughs> it was beautiful <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got that sort of time jumping, uh, you know, ridiculous theme to it. But I can I can see where where all your love for, you know, the games that I have known you for um, come from. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, because obviously Star Wars came out later for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, um, things. I, I guess I was playing things like Space Hulk. You know, even before all those films came out, you know, I don't know what it is. There's no way to really tell what draws you to a certain type of genre. You know what I mean? Whether it's the sword and sorcery stuff or the space stuff or uh, even like like with Wingspan, you know, like the nature stuff or Everdell, you know, and so it's whatever, whatever lights your fire, you know, that's the thing. Go for that. Play it because you enjoy the experience of that genre. Uh, and you'll find, you know, you, there may be, you may have to try several different games before you find the one that really speaks to you in the way that those stories did. And that's what you're looking for. Absolutely. If you can find something that gives you that same feeling that you got um, when you're sort of sitting on your pop's lap, um, listening to him, him read you a book or, yeah. you know, finding one of those initial stories as a as a kid then i absolutely think you should go for it 
I love it. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So it puts in perspective um, something for me that I hadn't even really thought about myself. Yeah, yeah. sort of where where the the crux of the love for games comes from. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's the same with anything you do in life. I think you know you're drawn to certain ways of doing you know doing things. I mean, it, it one of the other things in terms of gaming that I follow i i don't like i work off a macbook so i can't it, it's one of those things you can't really play games properly on unless you've yeah, got a, a proper pc and uh, but i love the fact uh, like what you're doing is you know how people can make a living streaming stuff streaming those games on things like twitch or youtube or, um, you know, I, I think that I would have loved that, you know, when I was a teenager, if that had been around, that's probably the path I would have gone down. But I think the fact that people have that ability to do that kind of thing, content we'll creation. See about the, we'll see about the making a living part. Living, but, yes. <laughs> I know, yeah, I mean, and I'm not many, sure about that much. If, right. if everybody wants to jump on the Patreon, maybe. But, uh, well, but many we'll are see. called, few are chosen. It's the same with anything in life, I guess. But. But I mean, but it, but it's great the fact that they that I mean a lot of people do do make a, a pretty good living uh, yes. off, yeah, off streaming uh, and uh, you know YouTube. It's just finding again, it's finding having the right voice. It's like Space Cat's Beef Turtles, you know. Um, who would have thought that you could have a whole podcast all what about one this one stupid board game? Yeah. <laughs> and yet, you know, you've got you've got thousands of people all over the world you know um supporting yeah. them in doing that and isn't that just wonderful it i is. think it's amazing well we're um what i'm trying to do is sort of flip that on its head and instead of one great podcast about uh one stupid game i'm trying to do one <laughs> stupid podcast about a whole bunch a of, of games. great games <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, but I mean, um, you know, one of the things that attracted me to Cardboard Crash Course in the first place was the, you know, the way you put your videos together um, in terms of those strategy guides for Twilight Imperium. Uh, well, you know, I share those around to like new players all the time because, you know, it's the, uh, and, and again, it's, I, I don't know what it is that why I like your style over particular, you know, somebody else's style, but it is, you just, you know, you're drawn to that, uh, the way somebody does something. And I think there's room for a lot of people to be talking about the same game. And some people will be attracted to your videos. Some people will be attracted to somebody else's videos, you know, and um, there's room for a lot of people really. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely think that I tried to take a, approach that was very different um if yeah. I, I don't want to you know talk about myself too much because because you're my guest but i think my initial thoughts on it were that i think a lot more pragmatically and logistically about things um whereas right. and that, that may come across as less fun to some people um but i definitely like uh i, I enjoy breaking things down to the numbers um and i know you know other creators will do that as well but they definitely like to um you know inject their humor and mm -hmm. i <laughs> i'm i'm finding my humor but for now i definitely do have my uh pragmatic side of things so that was yeah, sort of th my flavor that i wanted to put in there absolutely yeah and that and that's one of the reasons i always go to your videos like for instance on this game at the weekend um i'm playing nalu so where do i go to check what what should I be doing with Nalo? Straight straight to your video. <laughs> well, is there is there a player that uh, I don't have a faction guide out for? Because there's um there's still five more to do, or four more to do. Yeah, I, I, there's there's been a couple of occasions where you've bought the faction guide out after I played them. Yeah, um, but uh, no, I mean that's fair enough. I mean it, 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 there's twenty five factions. It's going to take time to put together. Uh, but I, but I know that, like you know, even, even if it's somebody I've played before, um, I will still go back because you know because you play Twilight Imperium over is it'll probably I've, I've been playing two years I've I haven't probably played a third of the factions yet. You know what I mean? It's going to be right. it's probably going to be ten years before I've played every faction 
and start playing the same ones again. You know what I mean? So I'll be back to that same mm-hmm. video, even though I've seen it before. Uh, but my, uh, the thing that always amazed me was that, you know, how much of Twilight Imperium have you had to play to get that amount of knowledge about all those factions? <laughs> there's, um, you know, there's just as much reading as there is playing. I'll tell you right. that. Right, right, um, right. So when you're, you know, when you're crossing the border between just enjoying something and then teaching something, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it it sort of becomes a job. Uh, and I definitely love playing still, but uh, my friends are now terrified of me whenever I sit down at the table because they're like, he just knows, you know, everything. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, you know, I haven't memorized every single word, but. Yeah, yeah they've got this well, uh they've got this idea about me that i'm playing differently than them but yeah, really i just like right. being as stupid as they are <laughs> yeah well you see that was the interesting thing when uh, codex 3 came out and you had the uh, council calarias and um you know i hadn't even got to the even the idea of playing council calarias yet and yet people were coming out with strategy guides about it and i thought well how many games have you had to play to to know how to play these uh, properly. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, TTS is my best friend. Yes, uh, playground rather, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, one of the things I love about um, what Space Cats Peace Turtles do is mm-hmm. where they're looking to do a guide about a certain faction, and then they will go out and play two or three games with that faction in yeah, order right. to really learn. You know, and that's great. Um, I, I really like that about their approach to doing it. And they've been playing for, for God knows how long. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. Longer than, longer than the, uh, than humans have been around. That's how I think about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So, so, uh, my question is, so when are you going to do the, the actual live, uh, stream of a game? Live stream of a game. Are you talking, yeah. uh, in person or. Yeah. Um, yeah. On well, playground? yeah. In- well, in in person, it's sort of quite interesting. I I remember, um, like like Twilight Imperium junkies do. Um, I I don't know if you've heard of them. I've heard of them. I'm I'm okay. not sure I've watched them. There was there was a there was a guy called Keith Ballard, who had a group of friends based in somewhere around Sacramento, I think, and they mm-hmm. did a couple of live streams with them round a table, uh, obviously multi camera. Yes, and everything, yeah. which was was uh, really interesting, and yeah, I, I, there's something about. I, I know it's a lot harder to stream a tabletop game because you've got to zoom in and out all the time, mm-hmm. where which is easy to do on tabletop playground or something. But there's something about again having live players around the table interacting. Yeah, absolutely. You, well, you I can't can... beat it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you can't. I can tell you that that um my absolute favorite moments have come from you know live games actually just the last live game that i played with my friends one of the players and if they're listening they'll they'll know who they are just sort of accidentally won uh, they didn't realize they had a secret <laughs> objective that they could win off of and right. that was quite possibly the most honorable way to win i've ever i've ever encountered but as, as far as creating a video or a live stream of it i would like to break it down into more of more of a reality show maybe um where i kind of get highlights from every round and then talk you know interviews with the players in between the rounds um i don't know if that sounds interesting but if anybody listening it would be would be interested in that you can also let me know have you um have you have you watched no rolls barred at all i have not is that something that they uh do yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a weekly thing. It's it's a bit you know, like the uh, Will Wheaton tabletop yeah, series. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's like a British version of that, except it's a lot more irreverent than, uh, than <laughs> Will Wheaton. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but yeah, so they and they you know they do it live, sit around the table, and then they they have these little bits that they do where they interview the Melbourne camera halfway through about. Out there, what's happening in the game, and <laughs> it's very mm-hmm. funny. You'd love it, honestly. Um, I'll, I'll absolutely check it out after this. Um, yeah, I would. I would love to create something like that. You know, if we were ever interested in doing a uh, playground live stream or a, or a tabletop simulator live stream, 
I'd love to have you in the uh, in the game, if possible, if you've ever. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've certainly um, done that in the past. In the last um, Space Cats tournament, um, I did some. They they were doing some practice games, um, and I got I got in a, a practice group with. Um, you know, Cody TCT, who uh, yes. almost mm-hmm. won the, uh, and that was great. We had like two or three uh, different games of different uh, numbers of players, um, and had great fun with those guys. Really nice guys. Uh, so yeah, I'd be, I'd love to be happy to. Uh, it's, it's all a question of timing for me. Yeah, absolutely. And now, are you? I know that you're a little farther out than I am, but will you be making it to Gen Con this year, or? or um... Is that conventions um, not really your your go to? Well, it, it it hasn't been because of because of the COVID thing. I don't want to spend right. like three days. So um, I if don't you ever know. end up wanting to, um, yeah. no pressure at all. If you ever end okay. up wanting to for a day, just yeah. let me know and we'll we'll set up a table together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And that goes to, to uh, that goes to not just you, but all the all the listeners as well. If you. If you're making it, just just give me a message in the Discord or wherever, and and we'll try to set up a table with six or eight of us. Yeah, no, that would be fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, this is kind of turned into a Twilight Imperium episode, which I absolutely <laughs> expected. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll have to change. I'm leaving the title as it is. I'm, I'm, you know what? They can they could uh, be confused halfway through. I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I is mean, there? I, I think the the. It's interesting because because everybody comes to this hobby from very different places, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know it was it, it was interesting for me having been a sort of board gamer for so long. I mean, I've been around. I'm 63 now, so uh, I've been doing it a long time. Right. So, um, but you know, people come. There's lots of different reasons people get into the hobby, and but I think it's often really interesting to hear people's stories of of what draws them into the hobby you know what what bits they like and don't like you know because it right. again it's it's that human experience and there's just so much variability to that experience and and you know nobody is nobody is right or wrong in their choices it's just you know the beauty of this and you you can see this in things like the facebook group where everybody is so helpful and friendly and all they care about is people having a good time by playing board games and that's fabulous you know yeah absolutely i have made it um my passion um for board games and i think i'm sort of getting people around me finally involved with it all and that's one of the main reasons why i wanted to have you on as a guest and sort of tell jasper's story um yes. because <laughs> you uh it was really interesting to to hear that you sort of inspired your next generation into into gaming and i know yeah i i it was, it was quite a surprise yeah i do i i'm enormously proud of it and and i love being uh included as part of it in in terms of Especially the you know playtesting and discussing, you know what what bits should be changed or not. You know, and I love being involved in that um, that process. I, I mean, if he ever made like made it rich with some huge pandemic type game, uh, then right. <laughs> uh, he, he can employ me as a uh, as a, a playtester you know, full time as much as Absolutely. he likes. <laughs> Well, um, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to his game uh, coming out, that Earth Rising game. I was part of the Kickstarter, um, but hopefully he'll have it up on on the website for me to be able to check out yes, as well. Yes, um, it will. But, yeah, he's got his own Shopify site, and uh, so people can buy the game oh, through. That. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. If uh, if any of you want to, um, you know, help him out in his career there, of course, check out the show notes. Is there any sort of last things that you wanted to tell about your um, board game experience throughout your life and sort of sort of tie a bow on on why you love it so much to the audience here? Ultimately, human beings are social animals. Um, and one of the things that board, the board gaming industry really does well is bring people together around a common experience. 
uh, a common shared experience, if you like. They're all part, you know, you can be part of that story that you're, you're all involved in at the time. And I think one of the areas that I know my son has been really interested in um, is the value of that experience, you know, around a board game table, for, especially for people suffering with mental health issues, for instance. I think right. um, it's it's enormously valuable experience to have that social interaction and fun and playing like with sitting around with a group of people. Uh, and if that that experience can help somebody through, you know, some tough mental issues, then brilliant. That and I think COVID has shown this more than anything is that we need social interaction. And this is a great way. This brings like people from all walks of life. Doesn't matter where you come from. Absolutely. How you know whether you're politically different or racially different or whatever it is. None of that matters when you're sitting around a board game table playing a game. Everybody is welcome at my table. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, and, you know, you're so involved in the game that nothing else matters. And that's great. And that's, uh, I think we, we need more of that in our lives. Well, that's, that's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for, uh, for coming on today. I really appreciate uh, you, you taking time out of your day on this Tuesday afternoon to, to be on the very first episode here. Yeah, I, well, I, I'm flattered to be asked. And uh, I, I hope it just gives some insights to to uh, some gamers to get inspired and be number two podcast guests <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell, and absolutely. tell their story. Yeah. If you want to help out the channel, you can absolutely check out cardboardcrashcourse.com. If you want to find the show notes or anything we talked about in this episode, I want to thank uh, my patron really quick in the Crash Course Professor tier Turtle Dude. Thank you so much for all of the patrons, including you, Jasper, or JJB, as you'll find him on Discord. Um, so if you want to ask him any questions or me any questions personally, check out the Discord as well. That's all on the Cardboard Crash Course website. Thank you very much again, Jasper. I appreciate you coming on so much, and have a great day, all of you. <laughs>